Welcome to Self-Compassionate Professor, a podcast helping academics and former academics to find wellness, meaning, purpose, and freedom in life and career. I'm Danielle Delamar. Glad you're here. Hello. Today we're talking to an old friend of mine from uh, my master's program. Uh, Her name is Shauna Starkey, and she has actually been able to work very independently and very flexibly since 2007. Uh, Her mantra, she says, is life is what you make it, always has been, always will be by Grandma Moses. And I asked her, what's the biggest lesson you've learned on the way to the career you now find yourself in? And she says, stay organized and on top of all projects. Embrace the diversity of tasks, learn to be your own, IT support, trust, trust, trust in the process, and that contracts are always arriving. Shana Starkey is sort of amazing. A lot of people wish they could live where she does in the beautiful Missoula, Montana, but many people who are, who are able to live there for a short time for school end up having to leave uh, because there's no work there. At least that's what they believe. Uh, but Shauna Starkey has found a way to find work there and live the life that she absolutely wants, living where she wants and doing the kind of work she wants in a flexible environment without a boss. Uh, so let's listen in to how she did it and why she dropped the idea of PhD school. All right, so I am on the phone with Shauna Starkey and we've known each other for several years many years now, actually. We were in the same MA program mm-hmm. uh, back in 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, Shauna is just one of those people who um, I've stayed in touch with via Facebook and just I, I was thinking how well she practices self-love. She's always uh, putting it first, and um, she seems to have created, you know, a career and a a life for herself that that feels pretty good, at least from my perspective, which is why I asked her to get, which is why I asked her to um, come to the podcast. And um, thankfully she accepted, and I was just about, we we were chatting, and I was like, okay, tell me what you're doing. And she started to tell me all the stuff she was doing. Um, and then I was like, okay, I got to hit record. So Shauna, go okay. ahead and tell us about your career. What's going okay. on? Okay. All right. So I like to um, have multiple contracts and multiple uh, revenue streams is how I really think about it. Mm. So what we were just talking about, I was working on some curriculum design projects, and that is for um, the University of the Virgin Islands. And they started an online program in March of 2018. And I was contacted by a former dean to become part of their inaugural faculty. And that has been, um, that's been a really interesting challenge when you've got something that's so ground level. Plus it's kind of got island time. It's a different cultural feeling. Um, Students are different. The administration is a little, is a little bit different. And so they, basically had kind of a prepackaged curriculum that they had that they were using and I don't know what exactly happened with that but there must have been a falling out and so we are redesigning all the courses this is the third and final one that I'll be doing for them which is a student success course 
but I've also oh, done okay. on interpersonal and a public speaking for them. And then oh, I teach God. regular classrooms of island students. Well, they're you know they're all over the country, but they do primarily tend to be in the Caribbean, which is okay. So fun. tell me about how the dean came to contact you. Like nobody's ever called me and said, "Hey, do you want to, you know, work for the University of Virginia Islands?" So yeah, how that happen? <laughs> so actually, she um, sent me a message on my LinkedIn where I had been in contact with her, and she said, "Oh, do I remember correctly? You um, you teach in communication field. Are you interested in this new opportunity in the Virgin Islands?" And I thought I was like, "Is she kidding?" I'm like, "Is this a real thing?" <laughs> Uh-huh. And it, it wasn't, and we are, um, I think there's like 13 faculty in the program right now, wow. separate from the brick-and-mortar university. And so we messaged okay. back and forth a little bit and, you know, sent in my paperwork, and they launched me. You know, I'm plug-and-play. I've been teaching online since 2007, so I'm pretty plug-and-play with whatever kind of format, whatever kind of curriculum, whatever kind of student. And so they loaded me up a blackboard, and they loaded me up some students, and away we went. Um, that was probably oh within gosh. like 10 days of a time period. What? And how yeah. well did you know her on LinkedIn? Like it, was it really um, sort of you a, know, she had um, – so I also am on uh, adjunct faculty at what's called Grantham University, which teaches primarily military students. It's been around since 1940. It was the first university to offer correspondence courses when the GI Bill was a new thing. Uh, and so she was there, and she also is on, I think she's the chair of the Distance Education Accreditation Committee, something like that. And she had been my dean. I mean, we're not very many faculty there either, maybe 40 across all disciplines. So, you know, they they get to kind of know who you are and, and, you know, how you run your classrooms, how often you turn in plagiarism reports, you know, what types of you know, how really on the ball you are. And they needed faculty for this because she was involved with them as well. And boom, there I went. That's so amazing. Okay, so are you still at Grantham University? Yes. Yes, Two? still okay. at Grantham. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about your other multiple contracts and string- revenue <laughs> right, streams. My multiple revenue streams. So one that is absolutely fascinating that I do every once in a while is it's called uh, Instructional Connections. And what they do is they offer, um, I don't know what you want to call it, assistance to full-time faculty who are trying to teach enormous sections of online close classes at uh, traditional brick-and-mortar universities like University of Texas, Lamar University, Youngstown. Um, so you get the idea. These are faculty, okay. full-time, full professors who are what's called faculty of record and then mm-hmm. they bring in a whole set of little, you know, MAs mostly we are. And we basically just tend their students. It's just like another, it's just like tending another classroom, except, you know, they're very, it's a different style of student because they are not online students. And it's not really an online class in the same way as something in the islands or something like Grantham is. And so right now I've got oodles of students uh, in a public speaking class over at Youngstown. And that is really... Oh been interesting. Okay, I feel like I have read about instructional connections. Do you serve as kind of like a teaching assistant, like you're grading papers and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. Yep, you're like a virtual, a virtual assistant. They all call them something different. Sometimes they call it academic coach. Sometimes they call you a virtual assistant. Um, but the main point is that 
you know how to teach the online students where these faculty of record who are so used to the classroom just don't. They just they oh. don't have the patience for it. They don't want to take the time to do it. They just, it's such, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking real broadly about, mm-hmm. um, you know, full professorial faculty at these big universities, but for the most part, they're just trying to funnel, you know, 800 students through intro to communication every okay. semester. And so we work, there's three faculty, and then there's each faculty has three virtual assistants. So it's just huge. <laughs> that is so interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. do you get to know these students then pretty mm-hmm. well? You're in touch with them yeah. regularly, and you're yep. like putting out videos and all the regular sort of teaching things, or no? Well, you know, that really depends on what the faculty of record wants. You know, this particular course that I'm teaching is kind of set up in this weird combo between the publisher materials and Blackboard. And I don't know, it could be a lot more streamlined, but that's not up to me. Um, anyway, well, sorry, what did you ask? <laughs> no, I, I, I was just wondering if you're doing um, like teaching, like actual like teaching videos and, and leading discussions and doing the stuff you would do as the teacher of record for an online course, or if it's because they're the ones teaching the class, if you're doing something sort of on the, well, just more on the side. I would say with this particular one, which is different than what I did for Lamar, um, where it was a smaller group, it was just the faculty of record and myself, and she treated me more like a, you know, we were very equal and we traded grading and so that every student got feedback from both of us. This is, oh, well. like I said, very set up to kind of, when we had our initial meeting, the, you know, the Dr. T, the professor was like, this course runs itself. All you need to do is get in there and grade the speeches and answer the student emails. Okay. Okay. But other in the other realms, you know, I am making student making lecture videos. But once you make them, I mean, they're good to go. You just play yeah, them forever. Totally. <laughs> totally. Okay. So okay. So what else do you have? Do you have more than those three? University of Virginia Island, yes, Stratton University, have, Instructional Connection. Okay. Yeah. So that is my academic package, and then I also uh, have been um, doing various types of field research, which is actually one of the mm-hmm. first things that I kind of got into when I got out of what I was trying to, you know, not be in anymore. Um, and so I do several ongoing surveys for the federal government. I think they call it the Department of Commerce, Census Bureau. Basically, I do statistics for the, for the Bureau of Labor Statistics, what produces the unemployment rate. That is one of my surveys. And okay. I do, um, it's called the Survey of New Construction, which tracks new housing starts, tracks the list of permit, and then you, you know, follow the house until it's occupied from the time it's a hole in the ground. And those two, they produce some pretty key economic statistics, which is part of what okay. brings me into that survey. And then I, every once in a while I get a medical case or something where I got to go in and do some abstracting of medical records. But that has, that has budgetary problems and we don't get many cases like that anymore. So the Fed is a okay. whole other animal. <laughs> okay, so all, so all of those things that you just mentioned are through the federal government? All of those surveys, yes. Okay, okay. Yep. So is there, are there other uh, things you're doing um, with this sort of field research component um, with any other sort of clients? Not, no, not anymore. Okay. I have done okay. um, 
I have added and subtract, subtracted various data collection projects over the years. But the more you do it, the more you really do get kind of – you can get burned out on the public, definitely. You know, political oh, climates yeah. change. Um, sometimes it's, you know, it just – if I take on more, a little bit more, like especially household data, I just get burnt out, and I just it's not it's not healthy, you know. That's I am not I did not make these choices to go back to being miserable. So no, <laughs> I know that boundary. <laughs> okay, so yeah, talk about that. Like, how did all of this? Like, there's not a lot of people in the world who are like, you know what? I want to live in Montana because Montana is awesome. So I'm just gonna do that and then find a way to support myself because. I know that all of us who are at in MA program at the University of Montana would have loved to stay there, and almost none of us got to stay there. We had to leave for for jobs, for work, and you right. found a way to make it work. So, um, wh- so I guess my first question is, how did this come up for you? How I and mean, what did you just have a commitment from the get go? Like I'm going to stay here. I'm going to find a way to make it work, or was it more organic than that? Like what happened? So it was it was more organic than that, uh, definitely. And this goes all the way back, really, to 2003. I've been as I was preparing my notes for this and trying to figure out, well, when when did I really, you know, start this quest for an integrated self? Um, it was really back in 2003 when I got off of the PhD track, when I decided that that was no longer as close to the end of my MA program. I was applying to doctoral programs, and I just thought, what? I'm not sure that that's what I want. And I had been so focused that whole time. We all were in that program. We were like a Ph.D. train, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew mm-hmm. I needed to get out of that. Um, you know, I researched some salary comparisons. I talked with my grad advisor. I saw her working a lot of long hours, and I thought, well, is that what it's like? And she was luckily very frank about the whole thing, and she indicated that you could – you know, do something else with the degree. You could, um, even if I was teaching at the master's level, it would be very comparable salary with maybe mm-hmm. less working hours. And so, okay, you know, I did manage to graduate, and I kicked around a little bit after that. I moved across country a couple of times because, like you said, I didn't see it was necessarily viable to stay here in Missoula, especially as a new MA graduate without lots of, you know, I had restaurant experience, but I didn't have a lot of academic experience. And, you know, moving is always a good delay. You can put everything on hold (laughs) if you're going a 1,000 miles. (laughs) So I ended up back in Minnesota where I was from. I did have some, um, at the time I had a spouse who had some mental illness problems, and that, you know, was part of the move to move us back closer to family. And I ended up teaching at a career college that was absolutely uh, horrifying, so horrifying that the faculty all filed a class action lawsuit and we won at, um, just for our hours. Wow. They were, um, oh, what was the, I think there were five-week classes, four hours a day, five days a week. Now, that's a lot of teaching. Okay, yes. You said five-week classes? <laughs> five-week classes, four hours a day, five days a week. Wow. Okay. I, I mean, uh-huh, to be able uh-huh. to come up with enough material just to, you know, you're putting on a four-hour show two times. I mean, you taught eight hours, two classes, with no time wow. for prep. And that's where the, they got into the lawsuit because, we, okay. you know, you basically worked 24 hours a day trying to keep enough activities. And I was teaching, out, I was teaching in general education, so I taught sociology. I taught computer applications. I taught English composition. 
I did not oh teach my, my field one time. It was pretty crazy critical thinking. Anyway, so I left wow. that because I saw this ad for social gerontology research for um, resident satisfaction surveys for this new statewide program in Minnesota. And I thought, you know, I did research in graduate school. I bet I could do that. And so it was temporary, but I thought I need to get out of this job. So I went and did that, worked for that season, went back to the restaurant that I had worked in. You know, I had some feelings about that, but you got to pay your bills too. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And it was really, really good at gerontology research. They brought me back the next year as a trainer and as a field supervisor. And by that point, things were a little more stable at home, and I realized I wanted to go back to Missoula and you know, okay, we pack everything up and get back to Missoula. And I really like gerontology. So I applied here at the local area agency on aging. And uh, it's been really difficult to even think about this as I was preparing this, because this is really the catalyst of where I walked out and said, I'm never going to be in another office environment. Uh, But I, you know, I started out very optimistically. I knew it would be a good fit for the clients. I was doing uh, health insurance counseling, ombudsman work, it was it was fun, but uh, there were things that I really didn't like. One, I missed the variety. Having been, um, you know, a field researcher, you're not going to the same place every day. You know, it was just nice. I did not like that my paycheck was always the same amount. I know that seems so funny to say, but I was like, how am I ever going to get more money if you're just paying me the same amount for the same hour? This is, I don't like this. <laughs> Again, there was not enough variety. Um, wow. There weren't really opportunities for me to teach necessarily. I had some, you know, speaking opportunities in the community, but they were so controlling there. I just, mm-hmm. you know, you just suck the life right out of the creativity of speech making, and that's not fun. Mm-hmm. So there were some real catalysts that happened at Aging Services. One, I had a very, I don't know, unqualified and undereducated supervisor. You're talking about a, a government agency where you have someone who has just been there the longest whether or not they have any leadership skills whatsoever. <laughs> and she and I just really, I don't know, she just rubbed me the wrong way. I don't, I don't know if she was intimidated by what my experiences were. Or I don't know. We did not get started on a very good foot. And so I really felt kind of targeted there. Um, just even though I did a good job, um, there were a couple of specific incidents that I can tell you about that really were disheartening. One, you know, I work it's going to order my business cards as a new employee. And, you know, I am entitled to put Shauna Starkey MA on anything I have, like it says so on my diploma. And mm-hmm. the supervisor came back and said that my degree was not relevant to my job. And therefore, I could not have my MA on my business cards. What? Okay. <laughs> You know, she's like, well, if you were an RN or something, you know, that would be relevant to the job. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Anyway, so that was a tough Okay, day. so wait, you weren't allowed then. She absolutely said no way on that. Absolutely said no way. Not allowed to put my MA after my name on my business cards, which I know okay. seems wow. really small, but I just, it absolutely made me, I just cried. I don't think I even stopped maybe working for half the day. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I can work at this place. You know, this is really uncaring and kind of mm. difficult and disrespectful to my education, which did not please me in the slightest. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as I mentioned, I did have, um, you know, my spouse suffered with some mental illness, and occasionally I would have to not go to work. Um, but, you know, if I have to make a choice between keeping my spouse alive and going to my job, 
hmm, mm-hmm. let me just think. I'm going to keep my spouse alive. And they ended up, so I didn't have any sick days to use because I was so new. And because I did not have any sick days, I actually got written up for a disciplinary action for not coming in to work. Even though I called in, you know, did everything you're supposed to do, but because I didn't have any actual sick time to use, they uh, wrote me up on a disciplinary action, which was also very unfriendly of them. (laughs) Okay. And then they just, um, you know, anytime, I, anytime you wanted any kind of time off or and they just were so inflexible and it just really kind of got worse and worse. You know, they touted themselves as this, oh, we're so family friendly and you can have time off. But, you know, when you could have time off is if you had kids that you needed to take to daycare. If you had a crazy spouse, you did not get the same benefits as people who had children, which also really aggravated me at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I was ready to go. Actually, I was going to, um, I think that the social gerontology research had invited me to go and train for a week or something to train interviewers for a statewide project. So I requested the time off. I requested a week off. And they were like, well, if, we need, if we're going to give you this time off, then we have to know why you need the time off. And I was like, no, you really don't need to know why I need time off. You know, like what, where is my personal life and then, I mean, and you're talking about a job. I don't know. Maybe I made $16 an hour at this place. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And so with that, when they did, would not give me the time off to go and do this other, you know, very wonderful professional project, I decided to quit. And so I wrote my two-week notice and went in and, like, totally cleared my computer. I mean, I was like, I'm going to just be prepared here in case something goes down. And sure enough, at the end of the first – I had to give them a two-week notice – and at the end of that first week, I went to lunch on Friday afternoon, and I came back. And I was like 1, 1.30 or something. And in comes the executive director. And she said, well, we looked at the budget or, I don't know, some kind of reason. She said, and she's like, we'd like you to be gone by the end of the day. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh. And she's like, oh, and I need to do an exit interview with you before we do that. So, in, you know, in a matter of three and a half hours, I need to pack my office and, you know, make sure I've got everything I need to get out of there, and I need to have my exit interview. Mm. <sighs> Goodness. Which I was like, well, fine. You know what? If you don't want me here, I really don't want to be here either. So that was kind of how I felt that. Um, I went to my exit interview, and I told her some of these things about my business cards and about, you know, how I'd been really treated and how my education had been minimized. Um, and she said... <laughs> Well, I guess that means we won't hire any more people with master's degrees. What? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. Okay. So I, you know, I walked out. Nobody, Nobody would even speak or look at me. You know, it was just, it was such a petty workplace. I mean, it was just terrible. And finally, on my last trip out, the secretary who knew I did a good job, who's, who my clients always would say, oh, you, you know, blah, 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 we really liked her. Um, and she came up to me in my last trip out with a box, and she said, you know, I think what they did was really uh, terrible or I don't know, something like that. But that was all that was said. You know, it's not fair what they're doing to you or I don't know, some kind of comment like that that she made. And I sat in my car and I took a deep breath and I swore I would never again work in an office environment. Never, I was like, never again. I don't care how desperate I am for anything. I am never going through this again. And I never have. <laughs> that is 
so cool. I mean, it's a terrible everything that happened. Yeah. Right. Um, but how cool is it that you knew in that moment of just total like what the hell just happened? You knew what to do. Oh yeah. Yeah, I knew, you know, and I just really knew that if I was going to make my life work, especially if I needed to take or to be flexible in order to handle some of these mental health crises that were happening in my household, that I would have to be more independent. I just had to be more, I would have to have way, way more control over my own time and my own schedule and my own activities. Okay, so you are now in a spot where, you are in Montana where mm-hmm. things are Missoula, even worse, just just that town. Everybody wants to live there, and there are not enough jobs. There's not enough work. Right. Um, so you're there, um, but you've also sworn that you are not going back to another office environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you, need, you, you need to obviously support yourself. Like, how do you then find a way to do that? Like, what what was your process? I mean, it's got to be super scary at that point, right? Was it? <laughs> well, you know, the fact that I was I was crying almost every day before I was going to this job, you know, that seemed, uh, it seemed like a miracle uh, <laughs> to quit. Uh, so so this, is, relief, this is yeah. fall of, this is the fall of, summer and fall of 2007 when I'm going through all this. And as, like I mentioned, I was still in contact with um, Vital Research who did the social gerontology projects. And they, you know, were going to send me on a training. And then all of a sudden, they, I was in with just within a couple of days, they were like, oh, do you want to go out to Sacramento area for three weeks and do a private research contract in these nursing homes and assisted livings out there? And I thought, wow, well, heck yeah, I do, because that's going to, give me money <laughs> while I'm taking a break, and I'm going to be able to get out of Missoula. I'm going to be able to get away from the aging services. You know, I'm just going to get away from my spouse. I'm going to get away from everything, and I'm going to go mm. to California in the summertime for three weeks and work, you know, but it was really, that was a really good time. So I had two trips with them, that three-week one, and then I had another one where I trained some interviewers. I think that was in Ohio, and I just told myself, like, we're going to figure this out when this stuff is done, like you're still earning, you're still, you know, this is all going to be okay, basically, is what I kept telling myself. And at the time, I was with these other independent researchers, people who had been doing this, especially the other trainers, who had been working a variety of traveling research projects. And so I just picked their brains. You know, who should I be looking for? Who, where should I try? You know, in this one gal from northern Minnesota, she said, well, you should really try and get on the current population survey. You try and start working for the census if you really want to do field research. And she had talked about some other um, companies that were mainly, they were like 50-week continuous travel. And I thought, well, that if I want to be in Missoula, 50 weeks of continuous travel is not accomplishing that goal. Mm-hmm. So after I was done with those research projects, we went on a crazy road trip that was like two weeks to Minnesota, down to Dallas, over to New Mexico, up through Colorado, and back around. And I thought, well, we'll just, you know, we're going to take this time and just try and figure out what I really, how I can really make this work and what I want to do next. And while we were in Santa Fe, I was reading the Missoulian, or I think I was reading it online, I don't know. I was still looking for jobs, but, you know, there's about two jobs that are ever posted in the newspaper around here. 
And <laughs> one of them happened to be for the Census Bureau, for this survey that this mentor of mine had told me about just maybe a couple weeks or, you know, a month beforehand. And I wow. could just feel like this ding, 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 like this is something, you know, no matter where this goes or how long you do this, um, you should apply for this because this is going to be something that will have regular you know, regular pay. It isn't, it's an eight-day interview period, but it's monthly. I mean, this, this month actually marks my 12th consecutive year of collecting that data in Missoula. Wow. I know it. Wow, wow, wow. And so I had that, and then within two months, they had offered me another survey, and then six months later, they offered me another survey. And I've done kind of some off-and-on, one-off things for them over time as well. So I started doing that, and that was okay, but that's only eight days worth of stuff. But it was a start, and it kind of renewed my faith that things were coming, the right things would come. And so right around then, this is like the end of 2007, where you're starting to see the economic bust, the housing bubble burst, and Mm. everybody goes back to school. Online education Mm -hmm. becomes this explosion, and so I um, applied at University of Phoenix at the t- well. I wasn't even called that at the time. I think it was called Axia College at the time. And they were enrolling anybody and everybody. As if you followed any of the lawsuits against them, you well know mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. they hired me immediately as their instructor. I had good career college experience. I was a federal employee, which I think always helped all of these people think I could handle procedures and deadlines and such. And they hired me immediately, and there I was, like, in this foreign world of online teaching, which I had never done. I had, you know, I first I, I'm like, I need a better computer. <laughs> it was one of the first things I had to do. <laughs> I need to upgrade. <laughs> yeah, and of course they're not going to provide that. Oh, no. No, but you take business yeah, yeah. expenses. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you free, okay. kind of freelance, so you do get your own office and, you know, your office mm. expenses. And that was okay. a learning curve, and, um, you know, it was really interesting. And I taught with them, I actually taught for them until just a couple of years ago when I reached the top of their pay scale, and then that's when they pretty much kick you out. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> it's just the reality of it. They have A through okay. J pay scale uh, per class, and that's just how it is. And that's okay. And it's okay, too. I actually prefer um, kind of these smaller universities. You know, at Phoenix, you were probably one of a thousand faculty as opposed to the islands where I'm one of 13. So that's it's a so very, cool. it's very different uh, feeling. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. Over you, the, go, hmm? ahead. go ahead. Sorry. I was um, just going to ask, do you have like a, um, uh, like online meetings with the other faculty? Do you, do you have a, a a personal connection um, at University of Virginia Islands in definitely, with other faculty? Definitely at the Virgin Islands because we do Zoom meetings probably qu- at least quarterly. Okay. And then um, that's you know, so great. Mm-hmm. And then Grantham too. They do. Um, they probably do them yearly, especially if there's going to be different changes or things. They just took us all. We were all um, contract employees, 1099 contract employees. And they just are in the process of moving us all into a part-time status, which I okay. think is going to be okay. Um, you know, make my tax time a little more friendly. <laughs> uh-huh, <laughs> Untaxed income uh-huh. is kind of fun. Um, but I think it has something to do with some of the new laws in California about contractors and contract workers. So okay. I don't know what they're – but I've got paper, you know, paperwork 
that makes paperwork. Okay, so it sounds to me as you tell me this whole story that um, you are somebody who, who has this like inner this self talk that's really sort of supportive. Because um, I'm, I'm just, I just wrote down a few of the things that, like you're talking about the job you had and how horrible it was, you know, the business cards and the sick days and all the stuff. And um, you said to yourself, "Where is my personal life in this?" And um, and then I and then I had also written down, you know, at that point you had said, "You know, this is all going to be okay." And then you see the census bureau job, and there's something in you, you feel it, the ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point you, you felt, you know, that, that sort of renewed your, your faith that everything was going to be okay. And, um, and let me just ask you, not everybody has that. Not everybody has that sort of um, ability to be self-compassionate um, and be there for themselves and give themselves that supportive talk. Where do, where do you think that came from for you? Um, is it something you've worked on, or is it something you have just sort of had? It's something you were raised with or whatever. Do, I know it might be a weird question, but well, I wonder where it came from. You know, I think there's a, you know, it comes, hmm, hmm. There's, you know, there's multiple forks of that answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I really was incur in, encouraged, um, especially in, well, as by my parents and in my undergraduate degree, you know, one of my undergraduate professors said, you are going to be successful no matter what school you go to, no matter what profession or career you choose. So you can choose anything you want. Is oh, what he told wow. Me. And, and so that, that kind of always resonates and, and sticks with me. My family is fairly optimistic. Uh, where, yeah. you know, you got my dad's, you know, if you, gotta, if you don't plan A doesn't work, then you got to make plan B or you got plan C. You know, there's always a way to find a solution. So it was a very wow. solution-driven um, family, which I think helped. Uh, I did do some work on, you know, self-talk and self-care. I took one of those Fred Pryor seminars, <laughs> you know, those oh, things. Oh, yeah, I've heard of those. Yes, <laughs> back I have. In, back in, like, t- 2003, I think. And, okay. you know, just really helped me figure out, you know, where I was stressed and, like, how I could uh, minimize that. I think having a, a suicidal spouse for a lot of years, as stressful as that was, I think it just builds a certain amount of resiliency into your okay. being where you just uh-huh. have to trust that things are going to work out and you have to, you know, keep trying this or that until things work. Um, okay. You know, I'm a big fan of Louise Hay. And her mm. um, affirmations, you know, my affirmation calendar, you know, she's got a little rip-off calendar for every day. And I just keep yeah. those positive things around. I mean, there's, we can, you know, we can come up with enough negative things on our own to think about ourselves or what's happening. And so I keep little affirmation cards just kind of all over the place in my office just to remember, remind myself what I want to be thinking and what makes effective things happen. Oh, my God, Shauna, this is awesome. So what is your favorite Louise Hay affirmation or, or your own affirmation? What's your favorite? Oh, my goodness. At this point, I know it changes. Um, um, what do I tell myself? <laughs> uh, there's so many good ones, you know, just about um, financial security, 
Uh, uh, I allow my income to constantly expand. I always live in, live in comfort and joy. There is enough time uh, and space for everything I want to do. Um, uh, you know, everything is working out for my highest good. Out of this situation, only good will come. You know, mm-hmm, I am safe. Mm-hmm. I expect miracles. You know, anything to make mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. feel better. <laughs> and, oh, my you know, God. And gratitude, so appreciating the things that you do have. You know, I don't have, you know, perfect days all the time or, you know, this or that can happen. You get into a mental funk and you just, you know, one thing I would just pull out a piece of paper and just start writing things that are working. You know, okay, mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. succeed in things in the past, you know, or I have... Um, you know, solved a problem like this before, you know, where it really comes up is, you know, all of my work really is contract-based. And so, you know, I do take a, um, I don't know, a hit in the security field where, you know, I don't always, I don't have that guaranteed same amount paycheck that I walked away from at aging services, but I, it's just so important to trust them. You know, these, they have never let me down. They have always kept me in classrooms. You know, classrooms are coming. They're going to come, you know, especially when they wait till the last minute to, like, click the contracts or load the courses, and you don't know how many students you're going to have, and you're paid by the student, and you just have to trust the process. That's just the most important thing. Otherwise, you could not live like this. You would go crazy with worry thinking, mm. oh, is they going to give me a contract? Are they not? I'm like, no, they have always came through for you. Just trust that the students are going to be there when you need them. And, but that's probably yeah. a, a, a challenging part, and that's what's so important to keep my mental state uh, positive. And so at this point, are you, do you feel good with um, where you are financially? Um, I'm, I'm sure there's always room to, to grow, but do you feel comfortable? Does it feel good? Does it feel secure? Or are you still kind of like, uh, I need to make more? Well, you know, I think, I think the reality of it is that I, you know, I am secure. I have a, a com- you know, as comfortable life as I want to have here, especially mm-hmm. in this valley, mm-hmm. you know, where you have enough. I definitely have enough for... Um, you know, the things that I need plus a little bit of fun. Excuse me, but there's always, you know, I think there's always different opportunities. One thing is I've, I've been really wanting to go just 100% virtual totally, but I, I, you know, I am kind of, you know, haven't found quite the right thing that's going to let me do that just yet. And so I keep my work with the Census Bureau because they do pay every other week. They're not the same amounts, but the, I know that that's going to be deposited where, you know, some of these universities, they pay you, you know, half, it, half of it in one month and then half of it in the next month. The islands, they're very loose on pay schedule. I, that's one thing I wish mm-hmm. they were a little more transparent about when exactly this is coming. Uh, it comes always, but sometimes, you know, I had a lot of problems with the direct deposit in the beginning because um, my bank was like, this is foreign money. I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's U.S. No. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But no, I feel I feel good. I feel good. I'm always looking for little opportunities and and things here or there. But something that's going to work, that's not going to drive me crazy. That's going to be worth the money that I'm mm. the time that I'm spending. You know, I don't just pick up mm. any opportunity like I used to. And my mm-hmm. opportunities are richer. I'm at a different point in my career. I've been working flexibly and independently for, you know, gosh, for 12 years now. So I have a lot that to offer. That is so offer. amazing. Yeah. yeah, so few people are able to do that because it requires so much resilience. And like you said, the, the 
self-talk and the, and the always working to just keep yourself in a, in a good psychological space so that you can do it. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. So um, I know based on what you said, you have, some really, um, you have some really clear sort of soul whispers. Um, they just kind of tell you where you need to go next and um, what you need to stop doing and that. So where, what, are, what are your soul whispers telling you right now as you just move through your career process as it unfolds? Like what uh, do you need to do? <laughs> That's been, I've been thinking a lot about it. You know, I made these notes and, you know, there's one thing is just like, thank goodness I got out of aging services and thank goodness I got off the PhD track back in 2003. You know, everything mm-hmm. is such a, a turning point. You know, and if it ever feels like I'm not going to make it through this, you know, I really thought that about a doctoral program. Like, I don't think I can make it through that. My life, my personal life was so stressful. I did not feel like I could adequately provide the attention to that program. And then even, you know, at aging services where I knew if I'm going to have this life that I had, you know, really what mainly drove me to do it in the first place was having this crazy spouse and needing to be able to drop everything on a dime and, you know, tend to whatever emergency was happening, you know, if there was Mm -hmm. a freak out or decomposition episodes, different things like that. And it's interesting to look back at how much of a catalyst that really was because that was a caretaking of another person. But I didn't want Uh myself to have to be crazy or to have to overly justify my choices to an external force at the time. And Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting to be out of that, um, you know, out of that system where I'm not responding to crisis on a regular basis, where I can use my flexibility more for fun and creativity, you know, mm-hmm. where I don't, where I can just drop everything on a Tuesday afternoon and go have some nachos if I really want to, you know, I don't have to account to anybody for that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, it, so it, this is what it feels like you're saying. You spent so much time taking care of your spouse, and now you that time and that space that you spent trying to do that uh, has now been sort of transferred to yourself. It, is that fair to say, or is there something more? So. more? Okay. I think yeah. so. I think when we were talking about self-compassion, I thought about that whole thing, but I'm like, was my compassion for our space as a couple that made me do the things that I did. And I'm like, you know, that was really compassionate for myself because I knew mm-hmm. I needed the space. I needed to not be stressed about a job because mm-hmm. these other things were so stressful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are harder things to admit <laughs> to oneself of like, oh, that was so hard. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so... So is it now that what you want to do, your soul whisper, is to continue to have as flexible and as meaningful a life as you can? Um, Yeah, definitely. Is that one big part of it? Okay. I think so. I mean, the flexibility is always really important to me. And being able, you know, if I need to go to a concert or... I want to take a weekend trip or, you know, I want to go somewhere in the middle of the week because no one else is going in the middle of the week. I want to be able to be the one who makes that choice to do that. On the yeah. other hand of, you know, my external, my influencing in the world, so to teach and, and influence people is also very important and that's always going to be a part of 
whatever kind of career choice I end up making. I mean, that's just a really key piece for me. Okay, so tell me about that. What is that purpose that's driving you? What are you What are you teaching? What do you want it? What do you want people to have from you? So, well, in a you know, in a nutshell, I like clarity, insight, and peace of mind. However, mm. no, <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I you know, you can do a lot to to help those things along by teaching communication skills in whatever kind of class that you are teaching them. And that's the, you know, that's the main reason I chose that particular field way back when, when I chose it. If you can help people be more effective communicators, that's going to make their whole life better. You know, I don't know. I taught my field pretty hardcore, but, you Mm -hmm. know, from what I've seen over students over years and years of time, how many of them thank me for, um, you know, really changing their life and changing their relationship with their spouse or giving them a different strategy to use with their teenage kid or helping them be more professional in their workplace or contribute more ideas in their workplace because they feel more confident to speak. Um, to me, there, I mean, there's just, that's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, anything else you would say as it... Um, sort of really your purpose like um how how do you i guess want the world to be different because you've lived in it um you've already given me an answer so i just ask the question in a different way in case there's another answer that emerges for you if not no big deal um you know i'm not really sure what is what is coming up next Mm -hmm. fully i think Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my last birthday, I turned 44, and it was quite a thought. uh, It's been a very thoughtful birthday year. I don't don't even know how to really describe that, where I have started thinking more about, um, you know, legacy, or do I want to write or produce some type of uh, book about my previous experiences, a sort of a memoir-type book, you know what kind what what lies in uh, curriculum design and where you know to be able to influence more there what, you know if i end up doing um you know faculty development type work or end up doing student conduct work i mean i'm not sure kind of where this 100% virtual is going to take me um mm-hmm. and i would love the residual income of a book let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> I say that again. The residual income, the residual income, the royalty income of a book okay. or something, uh-huh. something that makes uh-huh. money where you don't have to work at it. <laughs> totally. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 We all want that. <laughs> yeah. Passive income, please. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, that but that is leads us to a good point about um, you know working for, you know, trading hours for dollars versus trading projects for dollars. And, mm. you know, I definitely prefer um, project-based pay because you're a, if you're an efficient being, you know, you know you're golden. It, it doesn't take you, you know, if you're a fast reader or fast grader, I mean, boom, you're, you're good. Um, so I like a little bit more um, contract or project-based pay as opposed to piece pay or hourly pay. Like the feds do. Oh my God! And that whole time thing you're talking about—I I, I just saw something on LinkedIn. Was it through Harvard Business Review or something? They—they they were talking about oh, some companies that just cut out people's um, cut out their uh, the last day of work of the week. So they were working four days a week. 
they went from five day week work week to four day work week and like their productivity went up forty percent. Yeah. And so it's this like Yeah, that totally makes sense to me. <laughs> to me yeah, then. me too. Um, and what I mean and what's even worse about being in an office day is you're there. You're there at the office day mm-hmm. all day, whether you're productive or you're not productive whether you're stretching your projects out or you're surfing Facebook, you have to put in your hour time. And I just, to me, that is not flexible. And it just doesn't work for me to do that. Like I have my tasks. I keep myself really pretty focused. I've got multiple to-do list things. And, you know, I just, that just works for me. But I can come into my office and, you know, if I'm having an efficient morning, boom, I can just sweep things out and, you know, get all my grading caught up or do whatever and then enjoy my afternoon, but if I had to be yeah. here from eight to five, I don't know what I'd do the whole time. You know, <laughs> we really 100%. need to look at like efficiency and productivity. I think overall. Mhm, mhm. And and I and I am a firm believer that time is our most valuable, most precious resource of anything else, right? Because in the end, we we don't have all the time in the world. <laughs> like we're no. eventually not going to be here anymore. No, we don't. Um, I mean, do not waste any precious moments of your life doing something you don't enjoy. I mean, for not for very long anyway, you know. I don't always enjoy yeah. paperwork or technical IT problems or what, but, you know, things come up. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, okay, so this podcast is um, it's called Self-Compassionate Professor, and it's really for um, people – grad students and uh, faculty, any kind of academic who is searching for sort of greater meaning and purpose um, in their career. Um, And so just as you think about that audience, um, is there some advice you would give um, based on where you were, right? You, You said, you know, in in our MA program, everybody was on the PhD train. And you said, thank goodness I got out of it, and thank goodness I had this conversation with my advisor who was really honest about things. Um, what, what would be your advice to other people who are in that place, who are thinking about PhD school, or maybe even thinking about quitting PhD school? They've already started, um, or in some sort of a transition. Um, and don't totally know what to do. Well, I would say, uh, you know, it's hard to tell people to just really, uh, well, this is what I tell my own students when they're floundering, and and, and they're just mostly associate or bachelor students, but remember why you wanted this in the first place, and keep, keep checking in with yourself on that big picture, that big why. Is this going to achieve is, is the big why the same, and is this the only avenue to get there? You know, and just start exploring different options or different opportunities. You may come back to the thing that you're currently doing once you explore things, but it's really important to seek out, um, you know, opportunities you think that you would like. Keep your professional contacts really strong, no matter if you finish or don't finish or whatever mm-hmm. you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you keep, um, you know, mentors are great. They you know they've already they've already gone through what you're trying to go through and they can you know hopefully they'll be honest or they'll have enough time for you um you know but you've got to you've got to trust yourself if you don't think that that's going to be the path that you want and even if you can't see the new path yet 
that's okay just to take a leap, I think. But I'm pretty cavalier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is lovely, beautiful advice and the kind of, I, I think the kind of stuff that we all need a little more of. Trust yourself. How many times do you hear that? It's <laughs> more like, right? you know, trust the yourself. cultural messages around you and that. Yes. You know, it can be trust really tough, yeah. especially in, mm-hmm. an, you know, if you are an academic student, you know, to continue mm-hmm. to believe in your own abilities, depending Ugh. on the support of the program, that True. can be very difficult, especially mm-hmm. if you feel like you're so buried with any kind of work where, you're not feeling, um, uh, you know, effectual. That is one of the mm-hmm. oh, that is one of the least for me to feel ineffectual. I just I don't have time for it. I cannot spend any minutes feeling ineffectual, and I've got to do something. Whether it's even make a batch of cookies because I can see it. It's effectual. You know, I can make the cookies and bake the cookies yeah. and eat the cookies. It's done. That is an accomplishment of that day. But don't uh, let yourself go on feeling any kind of pity party for too long of a time. It's just not worth it. Yeah, yeah. And solve the problem if it, if it continues. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, my own, <laughs> that's what my bestie just told me this weekend. Danielle, if there's a problem, just solve it. That's all you have to do. And I'm like, oh. Okay. Right? <laughs> right? Just solve like, it. Otherwise, you know, what can you do? Yeah. Either, yeah. you know... <laughs> Eliminate yeah, it yeah. or solve it somehow. Find a solution. Um, okay, so then my last question is, if people want to reach you, uh, where can they find you? Uh, Facebook, email, where, where would you want people to um, find you? Um, you know, I guess I never thought about if that. If at all. <laughs> I'm elusive. Okay no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I I have a Facebook. That's fine. I have an email. That is fine as well. Okay. And I have okay, a link. Cool. I have a LinkedIn. That's I don't know, maybe sixty-eight percent. No, <laughs> viable. No, I do check it and stuff because I get opportunities through there sometimes. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I can. Um, I so if I went ahead and left that information on um, the notes for your episode, you'd be okay with that. Your email, your LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and your Facebook. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Awesome. Is there anything else you would want to leave us with before we go? Is there anything that you didn't get to talk about that you wanted to? Well, I mean, some of the things I didn't talk about was a little bit of the difficulties of of working, um, you know, kind of these freelance contracts. And I just Mm. want, you know, I've painted a real rosy picture about things, and I do absolutely love my choices. Um, But, you know, there are some challenges. You know, when you've got that many revenue streams coming in, sometimes all the projects want the same due date. And time management mm-hmm. becomes an issue, and all of a sudden you're a little bit inundated with, uh, you know, working a long day. Even though you're not working 40 hours in a week, um, you might have a long day because there's a bunch of grading or maybe there's some uh, data collection or something that needs to happen. Uh, so that, I mean, just be prepared and to be organized and efficient is really important. Uh, the lack of colleagues and coworkers sometimes uh, can be difficult, and we talked a little bit about the Zoom meetings and, and that type of thing, but there's no regular uh, regular group of coworkers, and for the most part, that's okay with me. Um, I joined the Women's Club, a gym here in town, about five years ago, and that has kind of helped with some of that social aspect 
that I don't necessarily like in the workplace, but I don't necessarily like being without it either. Mm. So um, that's been something that I've needed to do. Remembering to take time off. You know, I think it sounds so silly, but to take a full day off, um, mm. and even though I may only work for a half an hour, I just don't know. You know, it's not. It's because I think it's so integrated into my being. Like, okay, I just check my classrooms. Does any student need tending today? Okay, nope. Then let's get on with the day. Um, but not everybody likes that, and not everybody understands that type of work style. Um, I had dated this guy who was like, I don't understand. You know, he was an electrician, and he was like, when I'm done, I'm done. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm done too, but I always got something to do. <laughs> mm, and so, okay. you know, helping other people understand, you know, about time off and that type of thing. And these classroom turnarounds, if any of them are thinking of teaching online, a lot of them have a 48-hour turnaround. So you're really never away um, you need to have a good traveling computer or, you know, have your phone hooked up. And, you know, again, you may only be checking in for 10 or 15 minutes, but it's something that happens every day. Um, but for me, because it's so integrated into myself, uh, it really doesn't bother me. But those are some, um, I don't know if I want to call them difficulties, but definitely uh, some of the less glamorous parts. Totally. Okay, yeah, I appreciate you talking about those. Um, do you have a particular way that you deal with the, the sort of time management, multiple deadline thing, um, just sort of psychologically? <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I try, I try to not let things slip off the radar. You know, if, if I know I have, um, like, for example, for Youngstown, I had 70 persuasive speeches to grade that were on video. So you've got to wow. watch them. You know, that's, a, that's an all-weekend event. And, but then that's okay. You know, I've, then I take off Monday or Tuesday um, or I, you know, the, um, some survey periods are condensed right now due to the holiday season. And so that has been kind of challenging where I don't get enough of a break between surveys. But there really isn't much I can do about that aside from um, make sure I get enough sleep, make sure I eat well, make sure I keep my gym schedule consistent, make sure I try and, like, dance around a little every day or, you know. Uh. I always set a timer when I sit at my desk and I get up about every 25 minutes at a very minimum, just get outside and look at the, get up and look out the mountains to give my eyes a break. Um, sitting for long periods at the desk is just not, not good. And that helps me with, I'm more efficient, definitely, if I get up and, you know, move around a little bit. Oh, my God. Academics need to hear this so much. Yeah, like we just do not know how to take care of ourselves, I, I think, as a group. Um, oh, yeah, so that's you, the most important thing. I just had a busy week coming up, and I just journaled and wrote myself, okay, you know it's going to be a little bit busy this week, but here's what you can, here's what you do have control over, how you mm-hmm. feel, you know, how much sleep you get, how good your nutrition is, b- making your workouts, um, you know, make sure you take breaks, drink water, you know. I mean, they're such simple self-care things, but sometimes you just got to go back to the basics. And we forget so easily. Oh, easily. You, oh God, I love the wisdom here. Okay, so tell me about the dance, dance around thing. You're like, I just need to, I need to be able to dance around too, and I need sleep, and I need to work in breaks and blah blah blah. But tell me about that. What is that? Oh, I have, uh, I have office dance parties whenever I need them. Sometimes it's in the morning. Sometimes it's later at night. Sometimes it's after I get a respondent that's been particularly difficult to contact or reach at home, and I just put on. Um, I don't know, some kind of funky music or some Elvis or some Rune 5 or some Michael Fronte, and I just dance around. It gets the blood pumping. It changes the mindset. I love it. Yeah. 
impromptu dance party, as I call them, in my office. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is so cool. I, I, you know, I was always a dancer as a kid, and, I, and I'm always kind of like, God, I wish I could find a way to, you know, dance as an adult. But turns out, just based on our conversation, I can dance as an adult whenever I want. Whenever you want. <laughs> That's what's fun about being an right? adult. No. <laughs> To whatever music you want. I mean, the Internet is beautiful. You can find any song you're thinking of. It's not like the old days. No. <laughs> right? And it doesn't – and, so, and if, if it's not dance for you, but it's like, I don't know, drumming or uh, I don't know what other fun activities are there, you know, running through the grass in your bare feet or like whatever you like to do, however you like to play as a kid, yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, it's important to get out. I mean, that's what's nice about working at home. I can go, you know, walk out and get the mail or do a load of laundry and, like, run up and down the stairs. And I really find that a little bit of movement in those breaks, I stay so much more focused and efficient. Even though Absolutely. it's hard when you're looking at 70 speeches to grade and you think, oh, I don't want to spend, you know, three or five minutes standing up. And then if you miss one and you sit there and then you're just like a lump and you're, you know, my typing goes bad or whatever. No, <laughs> no it's true. Yes. Yeah. I, oh, my gosh. This is my entire, uh, I think, uh, graduate school career. I just was a, I was a mess. I forced myself to do so many things that didn't resonate with my body or my soul. And yeah. I, you know, I graduated a mess. And I got that anxious, stressful energy with me to my to my academic job and you know I eventually burned out so like all of this wisdom that you have and have always had um, I could have used a long time ago um, and I think a lot of people can't so thank well, you so good. much I'm glad thank help. you yes I loved talking to you this has been awesome it's been awesome to catch up and I, I just think that um, I think people are going to learn a lot from from the conversation we just had Oh, good. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. All right. Um, Shauna, have a wonderful day. And, um, yeah, we're going to be – I'm going to be in touch with you because I I, um, I don't know. I just feel more connected now that we've had a conversation. And um, I know that we also have um, – we have a lot of the same values too. So, mm-hmm. so we'll be in touch. Does that okay. sound cool? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. Take care. Oh, yeah, you too. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on Self-Compassionate Professor. I'm Danielle Delamar, wishing you a wonderful day and much happiness, health, and peace. Take care.